healing for our nation is extremely important. It was such a close race. I mean, so very, very close. And it tells us that basically our nation is divided right down the middle. And I believe that there's going to be healing. The body of Christ needs to lock arms with one another. And if there are differences in the body of Christ, we need to lay those things aside. Come on, somebody. And pray fervently that the kingdom of God would come and His will be done. Amen. Now, we might as well be honest about it. I mean, some people are just, I mean, they haven't come down since they got the results. But others feel like that their world has just absolutely crashed down on them. It's come to an end. I love what Samuel Rodriguez said. Samuel Rodriguez has got a voice in the Hispanic community. He is a powerful man of God. Probably the best young preacher alive today that I know of. He's the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference and senior pastor of New Season Christian Worship Center in Sacramento. Don't get any ideas of going there to church. No, seriously. Here's what he said. He said, a divided church will never heal a broken nation. And he said, the problem in America does not reside in the schism exasperated by the electoral outcome. Our nation's greatest issue lies in the hands of a church divided by race, political agendas, and personalities. More than ever, God desire His church to be holy to be one, to be light, and to be prayerful. Now, the Word of God tells us to honor our leaders. I prayed for President Clinton. I prayed for President Bush. I prayed for President Obama. And so did you. And so, regardless of the disrespect you may have for some things, we must respect the place. And we must not only surround these newly elected ones... But the ones that are going out and the ones that are coming in, we must surround them with a cloud of faith and a cloud of prayer. Come on, somebody. And for those of you that are just elated with the outcome, I exhort you to be gracious. I mean, we're gracious to one another. There's not, you know, division that we know of in the church. But we all work. We all play. We all go out into the world. Let's be Christ-like. And let's be humble in our celebration. And for those of you whose the outcome is, is troublesome, you know, let's show kindness. I want to exhort those who, who are disappointed. I've got news for you. Jesus is still on the throne. You know, Ernie from the NBA had quite a, quite a deal the other night. He, he gave his take on the outcome. He said, you know, no matter who sits in the office of the presidency of the United States, I know who's still on the throne. Come on, say Jesus is on the throne. So don't be afraid. I believe this, that Jesus has a plan. And I've got to believe with great hope and confidence that this nation's greatest days are ahead in the years to come. So be gracious in your victory. Be gracious in your defeat. Don't speak doom on this country. Let's say it is well. I personally believe that the new president will be leading this country 
through some of its most difficult days and and through some of its most difficult years. On the other hand, I believe this, that this nation may be surprised in a good way at what possibly could happen in the days ahead. Come on, somebody. Why is that? Because the church is going to pray. And we believe that people in office are going to obey. So let's not get in each other's faces. Let's not be a part of the problem. Let's be a part of the answer. I've discovered this, and you know it as well as I do, that purposeful, powerful prayer paves the way for the impossible to become possible. There are things that are impossible with man, but with my God and your God, all things are possible. So I want us to take about 60 seconds or so, and let's all stand, and let's pray together. Amen? What are we praying for this morning? We're praying for a smooth transition. I think President Obama, Hillary Clinton, Clinton and, and uh, Mr. Trump all gave an example of what it was like to be gracious. Amen? But let's pray for those that are going out. Let's pray for those that are coming in. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God, for great grace to be upon every one of them. Lord, in decisions that need to be made and people that need to be replaced, we're asking you for supernatural wisdom to be given. We pray that you will surround our leaders with the right leaders. Surround them with men and women that will speak the gospel, that will speak wisdom, that will speak light and life and life to them. Guide every decision, we pray. But most of all, Lord, we pray for a mighty awakening in the USA. Come on, raise your hand. Go ahead, just pray in the Holy Ghost. We pray for a mighty awakening. Lord, let there be rain in the time of the latter rain. Everyone say, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Hallelujah. Give your neighbor a high five and say, it is well. Amen. Amen. And so really that's all I'm gonna say about that, guys. We're we're gonna we're gonna bring it up another level of prayer. I mean more than ever. More than more than ever. And so this morning, for about forty minutes, I want to preach to you a message, part two of keys to being kept. God wants to keep you. His hand is upon you. Paul prayed that the very God of peace would sanctify us wholly. And that our whole spirit and soul and body would be preserved. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Would be preserved, kept intact, kept safe, kept strong, and kept, kept healthy until the return of the Lord. The word preserved there in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 means... To Strong says it means to guard from loss or injury by him keeping his eye upon you. His eye is on the sparrow. You are the apple of his eye. And his eyes are running to and fro the whole earth to show himself strong on your behalf. 
What he's looking for is faithful, loyal men and women just like you who will sell out to his cause in the earth. And I'm telling you, the ceiling is removed and the blessings are unlimited for people that will seek first the kingdom of God. So last week we looked at our first key and that first key was that we must have faith in the power of God. 1 Peter 1.5 says that we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation there is keeping power for those who will put their trust in him faith activates the preserving power of god in the life of a believer faith in god's keeping power and here's what paul said he said at the end of his life he was at the airport ready to depart unto eternity and he says i have fought a good fight and i've kept the faith and then he says, because of that, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness that will never fade away. He instructed us to fight the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith basically means this. Whatever comes your way, we believe it's going to go God's way. We're not going to spend our time looking at circumstances and being down and being forlorn and being sad. We're going to keep our eyes into the perfect law of liberty because that is what will make us glad. Amen? Amen. And so basically, fighting the good fight of faith is allowing yourself to come into a place of trust and entering into God's rest. Entering into the fact that it is done, it is finished. Your healing is finished. Your prosperity is finished. Your peace has been bought and paid for. And so the Bible says, those which have believed, those who have exercised faith in the power of God, they have entered into rest. Now this fight that we have is fighting to stay in that rest. Because the enemy will try to pull you out of that rest. So when we're fighting the good fight of faith, we're saying, I'm staying in the faith zone. I'm staying in the no fear zone. I'm staying in the spirit zone. I'm staying out of the reasoning realm. Amen? Say it with me. I am a good fighter. And by the grace of God, I win. Hallelujah. Now this morning, for the balance of our time, I want to look at a very important principle in the Word of God. So let's begin by Proverbs chapter 10 and look at verse 27. Now, Father, I thank you that as this Word goes forth today, that these precious ones here today will hear, obey, and do what you have to say. Lord, I thank you for giving me utterance to speak this Word of God accurately, with clarity, and with boldness. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27, it says this, that the fear of the Lord prolongs days. When your days are being prolonged, that means you are being kept. See, I don't want to just live long for the sake of living long. I want to live long for the sake of being strong and being fruitful in older age. And so if I'm going to do that, then I must then operate and function in the fear of the Lord because it will prolong my days. But the years of the wicked shall be shortened. One translation says the fear of the Lord increases life. And still another says reverence for the eternal makes for a long and peaceful life. Now that gives us insight into what the fear of the Lord is. 
The fear of the Lord is not what I thought it was as a young boy growing up in a traditional church. I would go to the church and I would be scared to death because I would look at pictures of the saints on the wall and none of them looked happy. (laughs) They looked angry and they looked mad. And I felt as though every time I went into the confessional, and nothing against the Catholics, I felt as though God was mad at me, and I didn't want to upset my Irish Catholic priest. Because the same ones I was confessing my sins to had just read my report card three days earlier. And, you know, I wasn't well behaved as a child. The nuns kept telling me, you know, Mr. Thomas, you need to turn over a new leaf. I had no idea what that meant, but it never happened until I got born again. So I was absolutely afraid of God, just fearful. But that's not what the fear of the Lord biblically is. The fear of the Lord is reverence. It's honor. It's walking before him in holiness. It's walking before him because you love him so much that he has enabled you to be a part of his family. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. So the fear of the Lord then is to have respect for him because of who he is and what he has done in your life. Has he done anything good in your life? In Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and verse 13, it gives us a little bit more insight into the fear of the Lord. This key for being kept is fearing the Lord, reverencing the Lord. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 and 13 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways? That's a great definition. To walk in all his ways and to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse 13, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. So whose good is it for to walk in his ways? It is for our good. To fear the Lord is for your benefit. Now, if you look at the context of Deuteronomy here, you'll notice that he talks about walking in his ways and keeping his commandments. There is a connection between the two. To walk in his ways, we need to know what the primary way that he walks in. And I'll tell you what it is. It's love. Because he is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. Amen? And then in John 13, verse 34 and 35, if we can pull that up here. In John 13, verse 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give unto who? To you. That you you love one another. A church, a community is to love one another, right? We stand together when others are having troubles. We lift others. We are blessings to others. To love one another as I've loved you, that you also do what? Love one another. Now notice in verse 35, here's another level of walking in his ways. Let's read this together. By this... Now keep that up there. Notice the condition. The condition is... If you have love one to another, that is how all men, not just men sitting next to you, not just men in the body of Christ, but all men everywhere. All men are going to truly know that we are his disciples 
if we have love one to another. I think that's a powerful truth, don't you? They see our love. They feel our love. They know our love. They may not understand our love, but because love is the ways of God and our way, love draws people to Jesus. And I got to thinking here recently, on Tuesday afternoon, I've got a a gentleman coming to visit me who grew up Islamic. He grew up in the Muslim faith, Islamic faith. And uh, he's coming to church to have tea with me and to have coffee with me. Now, I am not going to, you know, just, you know, punch him and beat on him and say, you sin and whatever, you know. No, I'm going to open my heart to him and show him the love of God. And in showing him the love of God, I believe he'll see something about Christianity maybe he's never seen before. Can I hear an amen? And then um, yesterday as I was ready to go work out and I was about to get in my car, we have some neighbors that had just gotten back from Iran. They were there for three weeks. They just moved into the neighborhood and... Uh, as soon as I knew they were moving into the neighborhood, I went over there and greeted them. And, you know, I didn't, you know, say, hi, my name is Pastor Mark. Here's my Bible. Boom. Matter of fact, I probably had my A's hat on and my shorts and hadn't shaved yet or something like that. When they found out what they did, what I did for a living, they might have looked like, what? Anyway. So they said, would you watch over our house a little bit? And of course we did. And, you know, pray. We pray over our neighbor. We don't just pray over our own house. How many of you know we should pray over the hood? That is the neighborhood. Hallelujah. So anyway, so they were leaving. They were jet lagged. 29 hours flying. Oh, that's a long time. I think it's persecution when I fly to L.A. But 29 hours. I mean, I get bummed out when all I get is peanuts and a Coke. I mean. And she rolled the window down. She says, we'd like for you to come over for tea. We'd like you to show you what we've done with our home. Wow. They are opening their home to us. And we are opening our heart to them. I think we need to be open-hearted to people that are not of the same persuasion that we are. I heard something by Pansy Caminetti. She left here to go to Las Vegas. And one of the instructions that she was giving that church there is don't ever turn your back on your harvest. I'm glad Keith Hershey did not turn his back on the Syrians in Lebanon. You know, we support Keith Hershey's ministry, and he has a 40,000-square-foot building right in the heart of the war-torn part of Beirut, Lebanon. There's shrapnel marks in the building. And you all know what's been going on in Syria, and the Middle East is a mess, but how do you know, but God. And so instead of turning his back on Syrian refugees, he's opened up his building to them. And they clothe the children, and they feed the children, and they educate the children, and the children turn from Islam to Christianity. Isn't that awesome? Oh, there's Atemos Sevredeshtea. 
There is going to be a turning in this day, in this hour. There's going to be a turning in this season. Many, not a few, but many shall come from other religions and they shall come to my side, saith the Lord. Yea, many, 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 many hearts that are hungry. Many people that are seeking me through wrong channels shall turn to the true and living God. And they'll come in by the millions in this day, in this hour. Come on, somebody. Glory. And you're a part of that. We should not be scowling at communities we do not agree with. We should not be pointing our condemning bony fingers at a community that lives differently than we do. We don't lower ourselves to that lifestyle, but we lift ourselves into the love of God, knowing that freedom and deliverance is available to all. I think I'm preaching to the choir today. Come on, choir, help a preacher out just a little bit. Absolutely. Why not revival? Why not harvest? I mean, I look at my life. I mean, before I got saved, you would not even have wanted to be in the same town with me. You would not want to walk on the same side of the street with me. Are you kidding me? That reprobate with hair down to here? Are you kidding? But love lifted me. I said love lifted me. And I know that if love lifted me, love will lift anybody. Love will take anybody out of the pit. Love will take anybody out of a lifestyle contrary to the word of God. And love will lift us. And love will woo, bless us. And love will use us for his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Tom, for singing that song. And thank you for singing it as well. Aren't you glad we have an anointed spirit led associate? I'm telling you, by the grace of God, it is well with our spirit. It is well with our soul. It is well with our body. It is well with this nation. It is well with the Bay Area. Yes. Everyone shout yes three times. And so it's not time to be on the fence. It's time to walk in his ways. It's time for us to get serious and to stay serious about the things of God. Not just some sort of 9-11 thing when the towers went down and people ran to church. We ought to be running to church on a sunny day, on a cloudy day, on a snowy day, on a rainy day. We ought to be on our knees fervently like we've never been before. Because these are the greatest days. These are the greatest hours for the body of Christ and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not running for office. I'm already in office. I'm a pastor. (laughs) God so loved the world God so loved the world that he gave and one of the key things that will cause people to come out of darkness is your love and you flowing in the healing power of God 
For I have anointed you even as I have anointed my son with healing. So lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. Lay hands upon those that don't believe and watch what I will do. And when I do it, they will come to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and say, these hands are holy. I'm putting them on the sick. So we are keeping his commandments. We're to walk in his way. The highest way is love's way. That's God's way. And that's my way. And that's your way. Amen? Look with me to John chapter 14, verse 23 and verse 24. He loves us. And we show our love for him simply by keeping his commandments. Simply by hearing what he says to do. And doing what he says to do. Jesus answered and said, if a person really loves me, say, I really love him. He will keep my word and obey my teaching. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home, our abode, our special dwelling with him. I want him to feel like he's got a special dwelling with the Thomas family. How about you? Notice in verse 24. It says, anyone who does not really love me does not observe it, obey my teaching. And the teaching which you hear and heed is not mine, but it comes straight from the Father who sent me. So here's the thing. Loving God will preserve you. Walking in his ways will keep you. Now I'm sorry to say that not everyone that faces a challenge, not everyone comes through and gets a turnaround. Now, sometimes we don't know and don't understand why, and we are not supposed to question. Because the secret things, in fact, do belong to the Lord, right? But I saw a truth, I think, that applies to Christians just like you and me, who have been in the Word for a while and know that we are called to walk in His ways. So I want you to turn quickly to Romans 8, 28. We're not going to spend a lot of time with this, but I think it's something that we need to see. In Romans, the 8th chapter, the 28th verse, it says, And we know that all things work together for the good to them that what? To them that love God and to them who are called according to His purpose. So position, position yourselves so that when the attacks of the enemy come, when life throws challenges at you, position yourself for turnaround that even in spite of a bad situation, you know that all things are going to work together for the good for you. Why? Because you're sold out and you love God. Place your hand over your heart and say, I love you, Lord. I give my life to you. And I walk in the fear of the Lord. Let's just track this through just a little bit longer. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7, it states this. It tells us not to be wise in our own eyes, but to fear the Lord and to depart from evil. So departing from evil is part of walking in His ways. You do not have to hang around with sinners. Amen. To try to persuade them to come into the kingdom of God by participating in things that they're doing. Amen. But you can be a blessing to them. Now, when a person fears the Lord, they literally hate evil. They hate pride. They hate arrogance. You know, when I see pride and when I see arrogance in my life, when the Spirit of God points it out, I absolutely despise it. 
And I say, Lord Jesus, thank you for showing me that. And I ask for forgiveness. And I apply the blood of Jesus in that area of my life. Amen. And so the pride of life and the, pride, the, the fear of the Lord is, is to hate evil. You don't hate people, but you hate evil. I hate sickness and disease with a passion. I hate poverty with a passion. I don't dislike it. I hate it. I hate the fact that people are bound up by depression and people are bound up by mental illness. I hate that. It's a good thing to hate evil. And it's a better thing to do something about it. Now look with me at Psalms 1 and verse 1. Say with me, the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. Now notice this, blessed is the man in verse 1. How many of you believe in the blessing? I declare the blessing is upon you. And that we're wearing the blessing. But it says this, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now notice, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now pay particular attention to that phrase, a person that is blessed does not stand in the way of sinners. In other words, it doesn't go into communion and into fellowship with the things that they're doing. Not standing in the way. Another translation makes it a little bit clearer. It says, get out of their way before you fall into their ways. Get out of their way before you fall into their ways. And the NLT says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. And still the message translation says, You don't slink along dead-end road. You don't slink along. You don't stand in their way. In other words, you get out of the way. Well, if I'm not going to do that, what am I going to do? What am I going to spend my time with? Well, in verse 2 of Psalms 1, it says, But his delight is in, the, is in the law of the Lord, or the word of God. And in his word does he meditate by day and by night. And now notice what is the result of this. The result is found in verse 3. Let's read it together. And let's shout together. Ready, read. Now notice that phrase right there. Whose leaf shall not what? In between service, I got this in my spirit. If your leaf is not withering, that means you're still bringing forth fruit, which means he must be keeping you. He will keep you and cause you to be fruitful at whatever age and whatever season you are in. Oh, hallelujah. That's good news. Look at your neighbor and say, my leaf ain't withering. Now my leaf's not withering. You know what that is? When you produce fruit at whatever age you are, that's him helping you. That's him keeping you. That's him holding you in the palm of his hand. Hallelujah. Look at Psalms 18, verses 20 through 24. Man, you listen so good. 
We might be done in 39 minutes and 40 seconds rather than 40 minutes. Come on, somebody. Let's shout victory in Christ. Glory to God. Keeping the ways of the Lord. That's what we're doing. In, in Psalm 18, verses 20 through 24, it says, God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. He says, well, I feel like my life has fallen apart. Take those pieces and put them before him. When I got my act together, what kind of a start did he give us? He'll give you a fresh start. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day I review the ways he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together. And I'm watching my step. For God rewrote the text of my life when I opened up the book of my heart to his eyes. Hallelujah. There may be some things that need to be rewritten in your life. Just open your heart. Put all the pieces of your life before him. You know, he is a master. Hallelujah. In taking the ashes of our life and turning them into what? Into beautiful things. He gave us beauty for ashes. Hallelujah. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. And he will do it for whoever. Amen. In Proverbs 14, 27, in the Amplified, it says this. Reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It is a fountain of life. And that what? It is a fountain of life and that one may avoid the snares of death. So, so picture this, that the fear of God is like a spring of living water. When, when I fear the Lord and you fear the Lord, it activates a spring of life. It activates Zoe. It activates the life-giving power of God. And a result of that spring of life flowing through you, here's what will happen. You will be able to avoid the snares of the fowler and the snares of death that are out there. The New Living Translation says it like this. The fear of the Lord leads to life. It brings security and protection from harm. Protection is a good thing. Security is a good thing. Hallelujah. Security. Safety. Freedom from harm. Man, there's a lot of things out there that would love to take us out. But you can't take out whom God has brought in. I said you can't take out whom God has made his special abode and special dwelling place with. How many of you can be honest with me today and say, yeah, there's been a time where the enemy tried to take me out. But the hand of the Lord was upon me. The hand of the Lord was upon me. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Was upon me for good. Was upon me for life. Was upon me for strength. Woo! Listen to this. If the hand of the Lord was upon you when you were a rat, 
living like a scoundrel? Some of you criminals. <laughs> if the hand of the Lord was upon you for good, and you came to an understanding that His goodness is what led you to repentance, how much more is the hand of the Lord upon you today in your everyday life when you're living for Him with all of your heart? So we said the hand of the Lord was upon me, but let's bring it up to date. Say it with me real strong. The hand of the Lord is upon me. The hand of the Lord is upon me for good. One more time. For good. Now let's shout for good. The hand of the Lord. And when the hand of the Lord is upon you, the hand of the evil one cannot touch you. For the wicked one cannot touch those that are begotten of God. Hallelujah. And then you will experience preservation. You will experience freedom. In Psalm 34, verse 7, it says that the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that what? Those that fear him. Those that are not casual about him, but those that fear him. But not only that, and delivers them. You can mark that scripture down to look at later. Psalm 34, verse 7. Angels. And then let's look quickly at Psalms 91, verse 10. We're down to our last couple scriptures. The angel of the Lord encamps around about those that fear him and delivers them. And then in the uh, King James Version, it says this, that there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh what? Remember, your dwelling is where he's dwelling. You're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, but God has made His dwelling place with you. Woo! Somebody says, why do you do that? You make me nervous. Well, you know, I just, yeah, that's right, Pastor Tom, just said, hold my mule. I got to shout. I got to give Him some praise. Amen? We got to give Him some glory in this place. God is faithful. Faithful is He that calls you, who will also do it. <laughs> oh, glory. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I saw a truth here now. Psalm 91, verse 10, 11. Let's get these last couple things. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in what? Here's what I believe the Lord gave me. When you fear the Lord, you will keep his ways and he will keep you in all your ways. Say that to me. When I fear the Lord, I will keep his ways. And he will keep me in all my ways. And that last but not least, look at Psalm 33, verse 18 and 19. This must be an advanced class or something. I mean, you guys listen so good. Man, say it with me. I'm quick. I'm bright. I'm sharp. I'm good looking. No matter what people say. I'm good looking. 
and I'm very rich. No matter what my pocketbooks say, I'm very rich. And end it with this, and I'm a major, I'm a major, I'm a major blessing. Amen. The last point is this. Those who fear the Lord, walk in His ways, will keep, be kept intact, and God will deliver you from death and provide for you in a time of lack. How many of you remember Y2K? You know, a lot of people brought into the fear of Y2K. Y2K came from the pit of hell. It cost people a lot of money. They bought generators they didn't need. They stored up water for five to ten years that they're still drinking. <laughs> I gotta stop. Thank you, Jesus. Fear sells. The devil's a salesman. No condemnation. But understand this. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen those that are in right standing with God forsaken, nor his seed out buying tribulation food. Nor his seed out begging for bread. Now again, no judgment, no criticism. But if you watched Christian television long enough, you could go nuts. Now there's a lot of, no, that was a wrong statement. But fear sells. And the people that are selling this are sincerely in their right, they're, they're sincere in their heart, but they're wrong in their heads. And so what they're doing is they're selling this, these dry goods. You know, dry peas and dry oatmeal for, the, for what's coming on the earth. You know, get yourself a two-year supply. It only costs you $3,000, but get it now. Now listen, I don't believe that things are going to get that tough. But if they did, I'm not going to eat that stuff. <laughs> How about you, Doug? You're not going to eat that either. I know you. You like your biscuits. You like your gravy. Amen. Some of you like your ham hocks. Some of you like your filet mignons. Some of you like your Mexican food and your Portuguese beans. We're not going to eat that mess. So that means we don't have to buy it. And if you don't buy it, you're buying into something else. We're buying into our covenant with a covenant-keeping God who fed the prophet with ravens. Who has not lost the recipe for manna. Now the manna may not taste as good as Krispy Kreme, but it's better for you. I know some of this is humorous, and thank God we can have humor in church. But really, at the end of the day, it's about just trusting Him and living for Him and not trying to be perfect. Forget that. You know, if perfection was uh, a prerequisite to go to heaven, I wouldn't go there. If spiritual growth was a prerequisite for you to make it, you might not make it. 
Why? Because we're ever increasing in spiritual growth. We're becoming more like Him every day. Are you listening to me? But here's the closer. Psalms 33, verse 18 and 19. And I want you to read it and let's shout together and give God praise. Psalm 33, 18. Ready, read. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him. Remember the eye of the Lord? It's upon those that what? Upon them that hope in His mercy. Are you hoping in His mercy? Now notice in verse 19. To read to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive. So here is a famine fact: He's going to keep you alive, that you may serve Him honorably with all your life. Place your hand over your heart, and let's pray this together. I pray for my friends today, Lord. I thank you for giving me utterance to be a blessing, to be an encouragement to your people today. And Lord God, all of us open up our hearts today in one accord. And we place our entire life before you afresh and anew. Lord, any pieces that need to be put together, you are the master designer. You are the great work. We are your workmanship. We ask you, sir, to put things alignment with your plan and with your will Say this with me. I purpose in my heart to operate in trust, to walk in all your ways, to walk in the reverential fear of the Lord. And as a result, I fully expect to be kept for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.